Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby Podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, the Mountjoy helicopter escape. There was two men approached the helicopter, heavily masked. One of them came to the other door of the helicopter and uh, pointed the gun and says, "Right, we're we're provost," and gave me instructions to uh, go to Mountjoy Prison, pick up three prisoners, and take them to Baldoyle. If you follow up this operation, there, this man has instructions to shoot you. It might sound like an urban legend, but 50 years ago three men staged the greatest of escapes from Dublin's Mountjoy prison. Prison officers had thought that the incoming helicopter had been carrying the Minister for Defence, who used helicopters, he said, like others use state cars. Guards could only look on as the Halloween horror show unfolded and prominent provisional IRA figures took off into the skies. This, this all lasted a minute, very more than a minute, but it seemed an eternity. At the time, dust swirling everywhere, confusion, mayhem. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by journalist Liam Collins to revisit an incident that gave the government of the day a black eye and inspired some chart-topping music. A little helicopter flew across the sky where some prisoners were walking, get ready for... Liam Collins, the story we're going to talk about today is 50 years old. And that in itself, I think, makes it even more extraordinary because there have been so many movies made about incidents like this, but it happened in Dublin in 1973. Give us the backdrop. Yes, the IRA basically launched a plot to rescue three senior figures from the organization who were serving sentences in Mountjoy Prison. And apparently Brendan Hughes, who was a senior figure in the IRA in Belfast, decided that rather than use the usual forceful methods of blowing their way out, they would try something very different. The plan was quite simple, which is always a good thing for a successful operation. They would use a helicopter drop into Mount Joy, snatch three senior IRA figures and disappear. And it worked. I know to use the word rescue, and I suppose that was the propaganda of the time of the Republican leaders because there was a big, this was the early days of the trouble that was pushback from both the British and the Irish governments were trying to clamp down on Republican terrorists. Locking them up was the obvious way to do that. 
And this was not just a bold statement, I suppose, about the capability of the IRA, but also perhaps the weakness of the governments in their ability to fight back against them. Yes, and part of the the operation was to get the maximum propaganda value out of uh, this operation. And it had a lot of um, colourful elements in that it was... It took place on the uh, 31st of October. It was Halloween and it added to the drama and the international reaction that followed. Well, let's start with the hijacking of a helicopter. Explain how that was planned out. It began when a Mr. Leonard uh, walked into Irish helicopters on the Monday of that week and asked if he could hire a helicopter for Wednesday. He said he he was using a fake American accent, dressed in a white suit, and he said he was a, a filmmaker who had done a lot of filming around Ireland, but had left his equipment down in County Leash, down in Dunamace. And so the cost was £75 an hour, and the staff actually tried to dissuade him from using the helicopter. They told him that it would be um, much cheaper just to get a van and go down his, and collect his equipment. But he insisted that he wanted to use the helicopter and he duly turned up on the Wednesday morning and the helicopter was waiting. The pilot was Captain Thompson Boys from Newtonards, a skilled pilot, and they took off from Irish Helicopters compound near Dublin Airport and proceeded to County Leash. Now, it's only a sidebar, but the helicopter itself had an interesting history. Yes, the helicopter had originally been in use by the French military and probably saw service uh, in Vietnam because when General de Gaulle made a present of it to the wife of the then Vietnamese leader, Mr. Chu. And it was then subsequently bought by Irish helicopters, which was a, a small, relatively small operation at the time. So this helicopter is, for all intents and purposes, on its way to leash for some sort of a filming operation. What is happening back in Mount Joy? In Mount Joy, it later emerged that Republican prisoners who were housed there had all been briefed that there was an event going to take place in the mid-afternoon and to be prepared to help out and to affect the release of the three IRA leaders. Seamus Toomey, who was an IRA chief of staff, Joseph B. O'Hagan, who was quartermaster of the IRA, and a longtime IRA operative, Kevin Mallon. Now, you can imagine, Liam, you're locked up in prison. This is something different because every day is the same. So there must have been a bit of a buzz and a bit of a flurry. But they would have also been conscious that there had been a previous attempt to free some of these IRA prisoners and that had gone wrong. Yeah, the plan had been aborted basically because it was to take Jerry Adams out of Long Cash prison in the north. But they soon realised that the British army 
had much better helicopters with a greater capability and it had little chance of success and could prove very dangerous to the person they were going to try and extract from the prison. So the previous helicopter attempt in Longkesh was abandoned. There was a previous one in Mount Joy as well that involved Toomey, Mallon and O'Hagan where there was explosives smuggled into the prison and they were supposed to get out to the prison yard and there would be basically a, a ladder, a rope ladder waiting for them there once they blew their way into the yard. But that fell apart and didn't happen. So this idea of prisoners trying to get out of prison seems to have been a pretty frequent thing on the agenda for Republicans. Oh, well, it was. I mean, they, they had little else to do and they were very disciplined. And this was a plot that involved quite a lot of people. And yet there wasn't a whisper of it anywhere. So it really depended on the operational uh, success to get in and to get out. And to the loyalty, I guess, of the, the various people within the provisional IRA oh, absolutely, yes. to each other and to the three guys who were going to get out because it took an awful lot of people to help three men escape when, when others might have tried to get on that helicopter. So let's go back to the, to the plot line. The helicopter, it gets as far as a farmhouse near Stradbally in County Leash. What mm, happens? Yeah, that's right. Captain Boys put it down thinking in good faith that he was there to uh, to do this job. And suddenly a group of men, heavily armed, uh, surrounded the helicopter. Mr. Jackson was taken away or disappeared quite quickly. And two men told Mr. Boys, that, uh, the pilot, that if he wanted to save his own life, he was to follow their instructions. One of them, armed with an Armalite rifle and a pistol, got into the helicopter and told him they were going to central Dublin. Now, at the time, 50 years ago, navigational equipment was pretty basic. And so he was told to follow the railway line and the Royal Canal. And he would be told, given further details, when they arrived at their destination. So he enters the greater Dublin area. The helicopter drops to about 700 feet and suddenly it's heading towards Mount Joy Prison. That's right. And a little patch of Mount Joy Prison, it was estimated that it was 20 square feet, really, that he had to drop the helicopter down into the yard. And as we know, there's high walls all around. He complained, first of all, that if they took on any more weight, they might not be able to take off again. At which point uh, he was told that if you fail this operation, you're going to get a bullet. So he got the helicopter, landed it in the yard, and then all hell broke loose in the prison yard. So the prisoners are out playing football, exercising, whatever it is. Three of them know that they are getting the golden ticket, if you like, to get out on the helicopter. What about the prison guards? Well, the prison guards were completely confused. This was unprecedented, obviously. And they first of all thought it was the Minister for Defence, Paddy Dunigan, arriving for an unexpected visit that nobody had told them about. That's quite extraordinary in 1973, Liam. The idea that the justice minister would just pop in on a helicopter and land in Mount Joy Square. Like, it's, it seems unbelievable. It does. It does. And I suppose they were trying to come up with a rational explanation. And 
didn't think that there was any possibility that a helicopter would land without authorization right in the middle of what was the main prison in the Republic of Ireland and housing not only uh, serious Republican terrorists, but also some very serious criminals. So as the helicopter landed and amid the confusion, the three men who knew that they were the targets, Toomey, Mallon and O'Hagan, ran for the um, helicopter while the rest of the Republican prisoners, probably joined by others, mobbed the, the eight prison officers who were on duty at the time. There were subsequent reports in, I think it was probably IRA propaganda, but maybe not, that one of the prison officers kept shouting, close the gates, close the gates, as if that would make Not realising that the escape route was up rather, rather than, than over or out, if ex- you like. Through, exactly. Through the gates. So off they go. They, it yeah. works. It works, and despite the three, this would have been a fairly small uh, helicopter, and it was it was probably way overweight. It now had five passengers, the pilot, and the four IRA men. It took off into the Dublin skyline. There was no guard a helicopter at the time. I don't know if the Irish Army had any helicopters. Maybe they had one or two, but it, you know, it had a free run, and it proceeded to a large disused Baldoyle racecourse out near where Charlie Hawhey lived in, in Baldoyle and uh, landed there. There was a car that had been stolen in O'Connell Street earlier in the day uh, waiting and basically the three IRA leaders disappeared. And away they go. What was the reaction? Well, the reaction was international. I mean, despite the misgivings you might have, it was a very daring plot. In today's terms, it went viral. The New York Times, Time magazine, everybody wanted this story because it was such an unusual event and because of the people involved. And, of course, the ramifications for the government were were very serious. Just I remind mean, us, who was in government at in the time? In government was Fine Gael Labour Coalition, led by Liam Cosgrave. And in those days, whatever about today, Fine Gael was a, a law and order party. They were implacable in their opposition to the IRA, unlike some elements in, say, Fianna Fáil. And it was a huge embarrassment that such an event could take place on their watch. And of course, the Wolf Tones got a song out of it. The Wolf Tones got a song called the Helicopter Song. It was a pathetic song. <laughs> even by Irish ballad standards. But it is a testament to the times, I suppose, 50 years ago, that it stayed in the charts for, I think, 14 weeks, even though it probably was never, wasn't ever played on RTE. What about the three men who escaped? They were 
free now to go back, I guess, to their IRA duties. Yes, but there was a huge kind of security clampdown. And so they were restricted in some sense in that they didn't reach the the north of Ireland, but they would have had, obviously, a lot of fellow travelers and organization in the south to hide them. They did eventually run out of road, though. As you mentioned, there was a huge clampdown. So the Gardaí put huge resource in this. Obviously, the government was under pressure. The defense forces, it, it was reported at the time that there was as many as 20,000 Yes, there was arms of state, if you like, yes. chasing them down. Yeah, and the, and this would have caused tremendous uh, difficulty for uh, the IRA and its activities because with roadblocks in country roads and and all over the place around the border in their own operations, it um, led to a lot of um, difficulty for them. And I mean, within two months, Kevin Mallon uh, was recaptured at a GAA dance in the South. And O'Hagan was captured two years later. And uh, Toomey stayed out. He was chief of staff of the IRA. He remained at large until 1977. And in the intervening years, managed to give an interview to Der Spiegel about the IRA and the escape itself. What did he say in that? Well, he basically glorified the um, the planning and used it as a propaganda exercise to state their operational capabilities. It did change how Republican prisoners to this day are dealt with in that they tend now to be mostly not in Mountjoy prison anymore. They're yes, all, oh, I think in almost straight away the government decided to reopen the Curra military camp and they prepared Portlaoise prison, which I think had several wings for Republican prisoners and at one time was almost exclusively a Republican prison and was much better fortified than Mount Joy was at the time. One of the interesting, and it's only kind of a subplot lemme to all of this, is that while they were all caught again, amazingly, Kevin Mallon actually managed to escape from prison a second time. Yes, he, he had been arrested near Port Leash and put back in that prison. And he escaped there in a mass breakout in August 1974 with 18 other prisoners after overpowering the guards and using gelignite to get through the gates. He was recaptured in Fox Rock in County Dublin in 1975 and returned to his Port Leash prison. It's an extraordinary story, Liam. How is it remembered at this remove? You know, a lot of people probably don't recollect it at all. It was a huge propaganda coup at the time for the IRA, but it was one of those things that caused such an, an outcry and an outrage and an excitement at the time, but has in the mists of time, it has now become part of, I suppose, Republican propaganda. But looking back on the newspapers of the time, I read that almost within hours of the, this escape, you know, a young RUC man visiting his sick mother in Donegal was murdered by the IRA. So 
a lot of the things that the glorification of these spectaculars, as the IRA called them, behind that, there is a legacy of death, destruction and, you know, misery, misery and depredation that we should never forget. Yeah, it's worth saying this was 1973, 50 years now. It's almost easy to kind of laugh and talk about the Wolf Tone song and all the rest of it. But at the time, this was a huge problem for the Irish state, the British state, the stability of Northern Ireland. And the troubles, of course, was only getting going. Going, exactly. And it it was seen as a morale booster for the IRA. And that probably led to other young men and women probably joining the organization, thinking that, you know, the thrills and the excitement were as the reality was that they were a ruthless terrorist organization. And that in actual fact, Brendan Hughes, who masterminded the plot from Belfast, later fell foul of the IRA when he robbed banks and didn't pass over the money. And they sent a hit squad after him to America. They didn't get him and uh, he's still alive in Belfast to this day. My thanks to Liam Collins. I'm Kevin Doyle. And today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Niall McMonagall. Archive clips were from RTE and the Associated Press. If you enjoyed the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time a mon irukti a yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetach ara igornamyan on kestchen ekal. Vien talam a ginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.